Good afternoon. Welcome to Thursday noon and evening teaching, otherwise known as TNT. My name is Karen Archibald. I am the church administrator here at St. Paul, and pastor has asked me to share with you today in Bible study. Let's begin with a word of prayer. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. Lord, we worship you, we praise you, and we magnify your name because you alone are worthy of all our praise. And Lord, we've come here today to study your work, to hear what you have to say to us so that we can become more like you. We ask that you take charge of this time of study, speak to me, speak through me, and speak to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we continue our study in the New Testament book of First Peter. First Peter is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, to offer encouragement to the Jewish Christians who were being persecuted and driven out of Jerusalem because of their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Peter was one of the 12 disciples who was taught by and was part of Jesus' inner circle while he did his earthly ministry. This is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, but later became a leader in the church, spreading the gospel message. Last week, Pastor covered 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10, where we learned that as Christians, there are some things we have to get rid of. We learned that that we are to have a regular spiritual diet of the word. And we learned from this passage who we are, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So now that we know who we are, and what we have to get rid of, today we're gonna to talk about how we have to act. So our passage for today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. And I will read that passage and then we will dig in um, deeper to see what the Lord is saying to us. Beginning at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is, God, it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone Love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. 
Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. So, first of all, let's look at verse 11. I urge you. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So Peter first identifies them as friends, indicating there is a relationship a commonality between um, these Christ, Jewish Christians. But he also calls them foreigners and exiles. So this is very important for us today to understand on this earth, we are foreigners. On this earth, we are exiles because this world is not our home. We are ambassadors to this world from our heavenly Father in heaven. So we have a permanent home in heaven that is waiting for us when we leave this temporary dwelling, this temporary tent that we live in right now. And it's so important to understand our residency because you know when you go to visit other areas, you don't act the same way that you do when you're at home. And so we have to not get so comfortable in this residence that we don't realize that we are working to get to the residence that is permanent, eternal, separate from in, separated from any sin or sickness or death that we are looking forward to. So what we're to abstain from sinful desires. James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
So we have to abstain from those things that lead us down the road to destruction, contrary to the will of God. These sinful desires have a war going on within us. They are waging war because we have chosen to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, which means he gets to call the shots, not the devil. So as Romans 7, 21 through 23 says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. So there's a war going on inside of us as Christians every day. The flesh is fighting against the spirit. And, but we have to understand that with the Holy Spirit, we win. And it's warring against our soul. Our soul is our essential self, the part of the person that is eternal, that which gives your body life. So that makes sense. Um, the war is to attack the life within us. So we have to be careful to realize who we are and what to abstain from and what they're trying to get to, and that's our soul. Verse 12 goes on to tell us how we are to live. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, good lives. Good is godly. You can't go wrong. If you know that God would not be pleased, it's not good. Among the pagans, the pagans are simply those who deny Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. This was the problem with the Jewish Christians back then because they were being persecuted because they proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the Roman emperor did not want that to be. So we live in a world of people who do not claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And these people were accusing the Christians of doing wrong, even though they were doing right. So we have to make sure that our good deeds glorify God and that the day he visits us is when the day he comes back for his children we are found doing those things that he would have us to do. Next, let's look at verses 13 through 17. How to treat authority. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority 
or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Now this passage might be a little difficult for us today. When we look at those in authority in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world, sometimes their actions don't indicate that they are trustworthy to follow, to follow their leadership. But God is telling us that we are to submit to the human authority. That's the authority that is down here on earth. And, it, and the scripture says, submit. And to submit is to be subject to, to obey. So that means we have to obey the laws of the land. And it's for God's sake that God will get the glory out of our lives. If people see us who proclaim ourselves to be Christians, disobeying the law, um, not following traffic signals, not paying our taxes, not doing the things that the law um, design, has designed for us to do, then people will look at us and they won't see Christ, they will see the world. The world has to see something different in us. So every human authority, the emperor, we would call our emperor today the president of the United States. The governors, those people that govern, govern smaller areas, the mayors, the local uh, officials, because they were put in authority to punish wrongdoers. That's why they were put in the positions that they're in. Now, there is an exception to when we don't have to obey those in authority. And I'll share with you some examples. First of all, when they instruct against the word of God, Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace for refusing to worship the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar? In Daniel 3, 16 through 18, it reads, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
So those of you who are familiar with this passage know that as a result of them disobeying the law that was um, instituted by Nebuchadnezzar, they got thrown into a fiery furnace. But God was with them and he spared them. And as a result of them standing up for God and God's will in their lives, of not worshiping any other God, God saved them. And that was a testimony to Nebuchadnezzar and all of his people that God is truly God and there is none like him. Sometimes we have to go into the fiery furnace of life to stand up for the word of God when leaders tell us to do otherwise. There's another example I want to share. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? In Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, it reads, And this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now we know God's word says, you shall not have any other gods before me. That was in the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments, but they decided that they wanted to catch Daniel and they knew the only way they could was by getting him, asking him to do something against the law of his God. And so Daniel would not bow down and worship their gods. And as a result, he got thrown into the lion's den we too will be thrown into the lion's den when we refuse to worship the idols of this land, money, power, um, success, material things, people. We have to go to the lion's den, but we have to know that just as God saved Daniel, he can save us too. One last example I want to share with you regarding the exceptions to obeying authority in the New Testament with Peter and the apostles. In Acts 5, 27 through 29, it says the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin 
to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. So whenever you're put to the test, you have to realize, is it God or is it someone else? When there's a conflict, you must obey God. Doing good silences the ignorant talk of foolish people. We will come upon many foolish people who want to do things their own way and who have the best way of doing things. But we have to do good. And good is God's way. And when you do things God's way, then God will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Our freedom in Christ, just because we're saved from sin, is not a get-out-of-hell-free card that we can go and do whatever we want to do. We have to remember this freedom is to serve, is to live for Christ. As, and this word slave is probably problematic anytime we hear it, especially as descendants from Africa. We don't want any parts of the word slave. But here's one that you might want to partake in, being God's slave. What it simply means that we are voluntarily in subjection to God our Father. We submit ourselves as servants of him. And as opposed to slaves who take individuals involuntarily, it's for their benefit. But as God's servants, everything that he does is for our good and his glory. And so we have to trust God that he will take care of us when we submit and um, do things his way. He says we have to respect everyone. We have to respect the good, the bad, the evil, those that are for us, those who are against us. He says respect everyone. Then he says love the family of believers. That sounds a bit isolated. However, we have to concentrate loving one another in the body of Christ. Keep in mind, during this time, they were being persecuted. They needed the love of the sisters and the brothers of like-minded faith to keep on moving forward. Not that we shouldn't love our enemies because the scripture tells us to love our enemies, but this is a concentration on being there for the family of the body of Christ. Then he says, fear God. This fear is reverence for God, not 
afraid of God. We want to reverence God for who he is um, in all that we say and do. And then the passage tells us to honor the emperor. Honor the person who is in authority over you. Honor the pastor. Honor the leaders in our uh, local government, our state government, our national government, our, our world government. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything they say, but treat them honorably. Let's move on to verses 18 through 20. Here again, the word slave is used, but I'll interchange the word servant and master relationship. In verses 18 through 20, Peter says, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to you, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So first of all, let's talk about slaves. In this passage, the slave is referred, referring to a household servant. So while we know today in our society, slavery is against the law. Being a servant is not against the law. So let's look at this passage from the perspective of being a servant. We might be servants in our home. We should be servants in our home. We might be servants on our job. We might be servants in the community. And we might be servants in organizations, in our church, and as Christians, we are definitely supposed to be servants to God's people. And God wants to use us in this capacity to serve in reverent fear of God. Whatever we do needs to be from the lens of reverence to God. I love my enemies because I love God. I take care of those who persecute me because I love God. And I submit to those in authority whether they are good leaders or bad. Remember, God said he would take care of those who do wrong. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And we have to let God do his work. And I know it's challenging to want God's vengeance to come right now 
or actually yesterday or last week or last month, but God's vengeance has to be in God's own time. We don't know what God is up to in allowing uh, things to happen for a season, but his word tells us over and over again, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Submit to leaders because it's commendable to suffer for righteousness rather than unrighteousness. We don't get any credit when we suffer for what we've done wrong. Our credit comes from doing what God says do, even at the cost that we must pay for doing right. Let's look at verses 21 through 25, where we see Christ as our example. This passage says, beginning at verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He made himself, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We, to, to this, to what in this passage in verse 21, to what have we been called? Well, being a Christian, we have been called to the privilege of serving God when facing persecution, undeserved. We have been called to submit, to suffer, to not retaliate. This is what the Jewish Christians were going through for the cause of Christ. They weren't suffering because of something that was of their own benefit. It was for the cause of Christ. They were called. It says in this passage, to this you were called. And in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So we are called to give up our will. We are called to give up what we want to do. But in giving up, we gain. And this is what Jesus was trying to share 
with his disciples. And if we want to be his disciples, we have to deny ourselves daily what we want to do for what God wants us to do. We've also been called, as 2 Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we have been called to persecution. If you aren't being persecuted for standing up for God's word and God's will in your life, maybe you aren't demonstrating the principles that God has called us to demonstrate in our lives. If we suffer, we will also reign with him. We are called as with Christ as our example to follow in his steps. This passage says things he did not do. He did not retaliate. He made no threats. He committed no sin. He was not deceptive. So we are called not to sin. And we thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus that when we sin, we have the atonement through the blood of Jesus Christ to cover our sins and forgive us of our sin. But again, that's not a license to sin. We should be sinning less every day as we grow in Christ. Romans 6.12 says, let no sin, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. You don't want sin to come and take up resident in your body. We don't have to be, and God doesn't want us to be deceptive in our dealings. We have to do as he did. He was honest. He said it like it was. He spoke the truth. And we have to speak the truth in love. He didn't retaliate. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. We shouldn't threaten. God is the one who will take care of it all. We don't need to threaten other people. And we have to entrust ourselves to the righteous judge. God knows who's doing wrong. He knows who's stabbing us in the back. He knows who's doing all the things to us because we are standing up for Christ. And he did all this just for us. He did all that we can say just for me. So Christ's sacrifice is for us to do the same. He gave us an example of himself. He died to sin and he lived for righteousness. He is the shepherd of our souls. The shepherd 
A shepherd is one who tenderly and wisely provides for all of our needs. We have to realize who's taking care of us. We're not taking care of ourselves. We do the part that God has entrusted us with, but God is the one that neither sleeps nor slumbers. He protects us from hurt, harm, and danger. And when we do run into obstacles, he brings us through them. He is the one who wisely and tenderly provides for all our needs. And he is our overseer. He's the guardian, the protector of our souls. So this lesson today reminds us of several things. But one of those things um, that is very important is that this world is not our home. And I'm going to share with you the words to one of the songs that the hymn choir sings to um, bring more into focus about this pilgrimage that we have going on down here where we're looking forward to a permanent residence where the mortgage is already paid and it's already waiting for us when we finish our assignments down here as ambassadors for Christ. Heaven is my home. I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. Earth is a desert drear. Heaven is my home. Danger and sorrow stand round me on every hand. Heaven is my fatherland. Heaven is my home. What though the tempest rage, heaven is my home. Short is my pilgrimage, heaven is my home. And time's wild wintry blast, soon, soon shall be overpassed. I'll reach home at last, heaven is my home. There at my Savior's side, heaven is my home. I shall be glorified, heaven is my home. There are the good and blessed, those I love most and best, and there I too shall rest. Heaven is my home. Therefore, I murmur not. Why? Because heaven is my home. Whate'er my earthly lot, heaven is my home. And I shall surely stand there at my Lord's right hand. Heaven is my fatherland. Heaven is my home. So in summary of our lesson for today from 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 11 through 25. For the Christian, this world is not our home. If you find this world as your home, I want you to get to know about a heavenly home, a home better than this that comes after this life. All you have to do in order to inherit that eternal home 
is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And his blood that was shed on Calvary for the forgiveness of your sins will wash you from your sins and make you declared righteous when you stand before God. And God will, at that moment, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit will come and dwell with you and lead and guide you in the path that he would have you to go. So I encourage you, if you don't have and know without a shadow of a doubt that heaven is your home, accept him today. And we at St. Paul would love to have you to become a part of this family where we are seeking to live for Christ in all that we say and do. Live in such a way that your good behavior will draw lost souls to Christ. Respect and submit to authority. Your good living can shut up the foolishness. Respect, love, fear, and honor all have their place in the life of a Christian. Respect, love, fear, and honor all have their place in the life of a Christian. Live your life with Jesus as your example of submission and humility. When you suffer with Christ, you are promised that one day you will also reign with him, for he is the righteous judge. Jesus paid it all, and all to him we owe. He did all that to set us free from the bondage of sin. Amen. That's our lesson for today. Are there any questions? No questions? Well, at this time, we encourage you to sow into this ministry here at St. Paul by giving of what God has blessed you with. You can share by sending a check to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. You can bring your offering to the church. Please call us first to make sure that someone is here to receive your gift. You can go online, give on our church website, or you can download the app GiveLify and give in that manner. And your uh, Bible study offering, you can put it under TNT, Thursday noon and night teaching. At this time, we are going to close in a word of prayer. And we want to um, ask God to be with those who are mourning, who are grieving, those who are lonely, those who feel isolated, those who are going through health issues, those who are caregivers for loved ones who are ill. We want to ask God's blessings on those of us who are trying to live the Christian life down here and have received these instructions and may be struggling with some of them, may be struggling with persecution because you stand up for the will of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you 
for giving us yourself through your son Jesus as an example of how you want us to live. And Lord, we thank you that there's nothing too hard for you. And Lord, we thank you that you said to cast all our cares on you because you care for us. And God, there are some people today that are suffering. There are people today who are without food, who are in danger of eviction, dear God. There are people today who are struggling just to have running water. And God, we just ask that you be with them, provide their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There are some who are suffering with COVID and other illnesses, God. We ask that you be their doctor, be the medical staff, and be their peace. Help them to know there's nothing too hard for you. Lord, we ask that you give the caregivers what they need. Give the first line responders what they need in order to carry on. Give them rest. Give them renewed strength, dear God. And Lord, we just lift up uh, those of us who are struggling in our daily walk with you, struggling to live for you, to love our enemies, to obey the law, but evil seems to come on every hand. Help us, Lord, to resist the devil so that he will flee from us. And Lord, we know that just as you delivered Daniel, just as you delivered the three Hebrew boys, you will deliver us. And Lord, we just ask that you bless us, protect us, and continue to lead and guide this ministry here at St. Paul. Lord, bless our pastor Give him the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding that you would have him to have to lead and guide us as we follow in the direction that you would have us to go. Give him rest. Give him renewed strength. Bless his family, his wife, his daughter, his entire family. Give them what they need in order to continue this labor of love. And Lord, help us to unify as the body of Christ so that we can work together to do the work that you have called us to until you call us to our permanent home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.